If you are Mel Tucker and Michigan State football, Saturday at 3.30 p.m. is the time to iron out the wrinkles and straighten out the kinks before Washington comes to town the following weekend. Because Michael Penix, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, and that offensive line and the offense period amen looked dominant. They took off Boise State's head and them some. Killing the Broncos was not enough. And Michigan State against Central Michigan, there were a lot of things that I liked in the second half. The defense, I thought, performed at a good to great level for all four quarters. They were deep, consistent. There were discipline issues, but I think these things can be fixed. There is time, and we're not in the middle or later portion of the season where we know every college football team's identity, or we know that some teams are lacking in identity. This is still early in the year, and I'm trying this year as hard as I can to not have any overreactions. Of course, when Duke crushes Clemson by 21 points or Florida State blows out LSU, or when Colorado beats TCU, that makes not overreacting harder. But we have to be consistent and keep everything steady. And that is Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson and Scotty Hazleton's job this weekend, is keep everything stable. If you want to run up the score, don't do it. Do not sacrifice starting health for performance or performance in theory, because to juxtaposition to Michigan, who won 30-3 to over East Carolina, if you watched the game, you knew that the performance was more dominant than the score indicated. The same can be said for Michigan State. Either this weekend, which their goal should be to be as dominant as possible while keeping everyone healthy and being stable, and performing at a level that they can recreate over and over again, the same can be said for their performance against Central Michigan. They won 31-7, and they did cover. They did better than the experts predicted. But the game, in my mind, was a little more dominant than a 24-point win. Michigan State controlled the entire second half. There was no hope for Central Michigan to win after Michigan State went into halftime with that lead. And if you want to extend it further, you could say that after Michigan State and Cal Halliday had that beautiful interception in the beginning of the third quarter, you can say that's where all hope was lost for Central Michigan, in retrospect, in hindsight. This weekend, Richmond comes into town. They come to East Lansing bringing an aggressive offense and a defense that loves to over-pursue. And what this means is you can't overlook them, like with any college football team you face, and Mel Tucker and the staff knows that. However, be fluid, relax, do not be stiff, and do not be stubborn. Also known as Jay Johnson, please do not run a shotgun fourth and one halfback dive again. Don't do it. This defense is aggressive. They like to over-pursue, which means outside runs, perimeter play, kills them. They have a mobile quarterback. They're an FCS team, which means they are largely overmatched and hopeless in a quest for an upset win in East Lansing. 
However, nonetheless, you want to practice for this game as if it was a big game. And I would say the same about my team, about Ohio State, about Georgia, Alabama, Texas. You know, Texas, you want to get everything right against Rice so that you can do as many right things and do as many correct things as possible against Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium. The same can be said for the Spartans this weekend, so that when Washington comes to town, they have in their muscle memory, and they have in their mind and mindset, in their soul, the preparation and the mentality and planning and execution that can help them give their all. And that allows them to have a shot at beating who I think is one of the best teams in all of college football right now. There is a serious argument in my mind that is telling me to put Washington as the third or second best team in college football. They have college football's number one offense. They have NFL defensive ends. They're aggressive. Everyone's open all the time. It's like what Mike Valeni said on his Detroit radio show. It's like Cooper Cup is everywhere. And Michael Penix looks like a Heisman-caliber quarterback. And Washington's defense is very underrated. They have two NFL defensive ends. They have a great cornerback in Jabbar Muhammad. This is the week where get everything right. That's Michigan State's goal. You don't have to play perfect. I know I just said get everything right, but I think there's a difference between that and playing perfect. Playing perfect ideally means winning, like, let's say, 63 to nothing because this is an FCS team that lost to a bad Morgan State team. Doing everything right just means do the fundamentals properly. This doesn't mean scoring two 75-yard touchdowns, one on the ground and one through the air. It doesn't mean play the perfect game, play like you have multiple Heisman players on your roster. Do things right. Don't blow coverages. Continue the good perimeter play that we saw against Central Michigan have an offensive line that with Nick Semek back at center can push the pile forward on fourth and one. Call better plays if you're Jay Johnson and and if you're Scotty Hazleton too. And start faster on offense. Against a team like Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, the Spartans cannot afford to be dead for the first 25-20 minutes of the game on offense. And I'd say that for even Iowa, Minnesota, dare I say it, even Nebraska, and Maryland to our home games while the former two are on the road. The Spartans have a tough schedule, and this is one of the final games where they can iron out the kinks and experiment and play with the different matchups and, to a certain degree, also play some backyard football and really push the boundaries and, and try new things and adapt before they have to set in some kind of identity so that they don't break when Washington honestly likely scores multiple touchdowns and has hundreds of yards on offense, mostly through the air, but also potentially some on the ground. know that Cameron Davis is injured, but they have Dylan Johnson and another running back transfer from Arizona State who can keep defenses honest on the ground as well. Luckily for the Spartans, they face an FCS opponent. Their first FCS opponent since Youngstown State in 2021 And going back even further, you could, since 2016 against Furman, which was a game that was closer for comfort and sort of foreshadowed 2016's disaster. 
The Spartans are given a 98.4% chance to win, according to ESPN's FPI, where they are ranked 34th nationally. Like their in-state rival, I do think that FPI is underrating Michigan State. Though then there's also the valid argument that I am just too high on Michigan State and Michigan and multiple Big Ten and Pac-12 teams, and also Georgia. I don't like that Georgia is behind Alabama. I don't like that at all. But I could talk all day about critiquing ESPN's FPI and other more reactive polls, for example, that aren't power rankings, which are different from power rankings. But anyway, get back on topic, Sam. Michigan State is 1-0, beating Central Michigan and dominating them in the opener. They bullied them. It took a while. The bully ball initially struggled, but after Central Michigan took that lead, Michigan State activated a killer instinct, and they were able to pass efficiently. They were able to run well up the middle on the outside. You even saw that with Jalen Berger. His best run was on the outside. After struggling for quite some time, Michigan State's running back room, offensive line, and also the pass game improving eventually broke Jim McElwain's Central Michigan defense. Richmond, on the other hand, is 0-1, and they're an FCS school, which means they're not even ranked in ESPN's FPI, though there are some analytics, of course, for FCS teams so that their numbers can be plugged in to ESPN's prediction machine, but they lost to Morgan State 10-17, and in that game, Richmond had 264 total yards, four turnovers, 18 first downs, and their quarterback had one pick, no touchdowns. He had 21 carries for 39 yards on the ground. Morgan State was able to diagnose Richmond's offensive game plan and just attack them. Richmond had three fumbles. All three were lost, and they had one pick, and they only averaged 2.6 yards per carry on the ground. That was an ugly game. I watched some highlights of that game because I'm very unfamiliar with both Richmond, Morgan State, and the FCS. But the Spiders do have an aggressive offense and an aggressive defense. They like to run quarterback draws. They like to pass deep. That was one of the interceptions that their quarterback threw. Quarterback by the name of Kyle Wickersham. They like to be aggressive on offense. On defense, I found that to be more so the case. I think their offense is just centered around the quarterback in the run and pass game. They rely heavily on their quarterback, and this year he doesn't seem to be really good. But it is game one, so maybe he had kickoff jitters or is just getting into form. And also Morgan State's defense did look solid in that matchup. But this defense loves to blitz from Richmond. The game will be played in Spartan Stadium. The line is unavailable. Which doesn't mean that, you know, people are panicking over which team to pick. This just means that the odds makers view this game as so irrelevant that they're not going to release a spread until likely Saturday morning or Friday night because Michigan State is such a heavy favorite. They're, they really are a big time favorite. Michigan State could be favored by high 20s, mid 30s, low 30s, even high 30s against this Richmond team. Maybe even in the lower 40s, that wouldn't surprise me, actually, because Richmond started out the season, I think, ranked, or at least with some kind of expectations, but that loss to a Morgan State team that hasn't had a winning record in years really did hurt them. And 
when it comes to position advantages, the reason I was talking about Richmond earlier before Michigan State is there's so much more to talk about with the Spartans. They have a 10-0 position advantage in my mind. Much better staff, better quarterback, better running backs, better receivers, better tight ends, better linebackers, better defensive and offensive line play, better secondary, better special teams as well. Michigan State special teams unit was one of the units that impressed me the most about the Central Michigan game. I know I may have said that weird, but Jonathan Kim going one of one on field goals and scoring three extra points and his field goal being along a 47, it did sneak right through the uprights, but it was accurate. There was no hooking. There was no wavering. That ball was straight. It was slow. It had a nice spin. He's a good kicker. And Steven Rusnak also did hit an extra point. So the kicking game, I don't think, is a concern. Now, it still could be because, again, only one field goal's been made, only three extra points. But from a long of 47, that accurate, I think that Michigan State has a better kicker than they've seen since Matt Coughlin. And Matt Coughlin in 2021, due to injuries, was not the most reliable kicker in the world. So they might have their best kicker in the Mel Tucker era in Jonathan Kim. Jonathan Kim being six foot, 225 pounds, definitely has power to his leg. And then Michigan State in the return game was good. I know that, again, it's, it's a MAC team, so you can't take too much away from it. It's like with Michigan against East Carolina. They played several backups, also against an inferior team, and Ohio State, Penn State. Penn State special teams, by the way, were just an atrocity, going 0 of 2 on field goals before having to bench their starting kicker. But Michigan State's punting game was impressive. It really was. Bryce Beringer was drafted by the Patriots and was the best punter in the nation last year. And the Spartans had two punters that saw action, Ryan Eckley and Michael Oshognesi. And Eckley had the better game. He had three punts. He averaged 43 yards per punt with a long of 47. He had a touchback and one inside the 20. Oshognesi had two punts for 68 yards, averaged 34 yards per punt on average, and had one inside the 20. Eckley currently is the starting punter for this week. Jonathan Kim's obviously the kickoff specialist and the place kicker. And Tyrell Henry had impressive punt returns as well. All of these things are the opposite of 2022 special teams unit. They're in contrast to that special teams unit. And it's impressive. And the defense, there was good tackling. There was only one breakdown in the secondary, and that was later in the second half. And Michigan State's offense responded. They faced adversity. They got down. A team that is mentally weak could have and to a certain degree would have folded in this situation as Burt Emanuel Jr. and Miles Bailey and B.J. Harris, the running backs, and then Burt Emanuel being a great dual-threat quarterback at least when looking at his resume in running the football, the Chippewas were controlling the game, and Michigan State was able to respond. And that's something that you want to see coming off of last year where the team didn't necessarily ever quit, but there were times where, like, Indiana, they faced adversity, and they, they never quit, but they were almost too weak or too disorganized to get back up and fight. 
and Michigan State needs to be that team that has enough strength to power through being dead in the first 20 minutes. Because while you don't want to see that become a consistent happening, maybe against Iowa or Minnesota on the road, when you're facing great defenses and you're on the road in intimidating environments, maybe you just need to survive. And it's not necessarily that you're starting out slow, but the opposing defense is just holding you down. You need to have that strength to eventually be able to push through adversity. And I think Michigan State has that. Mel Tucker... And Scotty Hazelton, I was impressed with them against Central Michigan. Jay Johnson, I have qualms about, and you can see why if you watch the game and just see the fourth down calls. It was ridiculous, but it is just one game, and Michigan State does not need an elite offensive coordinator to go bowling this year, which really is the goal of the team, is go bowling, more importantly, perhaps get a winning record in the regular season and go... 8-5, and 7-6, and 9-4 and four in that range, and build on the following, build on this season and advance in the following seasons. Noah Kim, tale of two halves. He threw for 279 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 60 QBR. Nathan Carter running back at over 100 rushing yards, and I was impressed with him. He, he knows how to find holes, break tackles, get yards after contact, and... He has explosiveness to him and some shiftiness, and he can juke. Very impressive guy. An area that I'm excited for, dare I say, for Michigan State in this game is tight end. I didn't think the tight ends looked very good, particularly Malik Carr against Central Michigan. And that room is so deep with Carr, Hopper, Franklin, Morris, and Nickel. That's, that's a deep tight end room. So I'm curious to see how they get utilized against Richmond, who has an aggressive defense that loves to over-pursue. So screen passes to tight ends, wide receivers, or getting the ball out on quick routes, shorter routes, and getting yards after contact or yards after the catch. I'm very interested to see how Michigan State's pass game will function there. And for the run game, well, just because you have an over-aggressive defense that pursues doesn't mean you're good at tackling or you're good at gap integrity, which Richmond was not good at any of those things, which cites poor play from the defensive line, linebacker, really poor play from the defense, period. Amen. Though both secondaries did well against both opposing quarterbacks. All in all, Nathan Carter and Jalen Berger and Jaron Mangum, if he is healthy, expect to see them out on the field. And I'm, I'm just fascinated to see if Michigan State looks any different or if they look similar or if they're consistent. There are plenty of unknowns about this team. I think this team is being overlooked by the media, and they're underrated. That's my personal opinion. Michigan State went from being an overrated program after 2021 to pure radio silence after 2022. The recruiting board went cold. All the analysts went from praising Mel Tucker as potentially being the Big Ten's next best head coach to making fun of his contract. It was a tale of two extremes. And I think this season is the season where Mel Tucker and the Spartans bring it back to reality and say, no, we're not this bad. We aren't as good currently as we were in 2021. Likely not, at least, with how tough the schedule is. But we're here and we're growing. And I see growth personally on defense, special teams, 
and also on the offensive side of the ball. Nick Samek being out hurt this team against Central Michigan. I expect the run game and the offensive line to get a better push. That would probably be the biggest improvement that I expect to see against Richmond. And also Washington. Washington having a team that is great at defensive end. You have some questions at defensive tackle, though. Some players to watch for this matchup are linebacker Tristan Wheeler. Tristan Wheeler nearly had 20 total tackles in the opener against Morgan State, which is just crazy. 17 total tackles, 11 of them solo, one sack, and in his career, he's built up quite a resume. A 6'2", 228-pound senior from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, he had 102 total tackles in 2022, 52 of them solo, three passes defended, two sacks, two interceptions. He also had a kickoff return in 2023 as well. He is easily this defense's best player by a mile. He's probably the only reason why Morgan State didn't score an additional touchdown or so with the amount of solid tackling that he did, the sack, and he's an impact player. I'm it will be interesting to see if he can help stop or slow down Michigan State's run game, if he can affect Noah Kim and get pressure on him when he's put in blitz packages, so on and so forth. And also, as a whole, the Spiders' defense, if they can be more disciplined with the way they bring pressure and how they love to send guys forward, and if they can be disciplined, not over-pursue, and Michigan State's offensive line doesn't improve, and the play calling is bland and vanilla and just not appropriate for the situation like it was last week, this could be an ugly battle between Richmond's defense and Michigan State's offense. On the Spartan side of things, I look for tight end Malik Carr to be a breakout player or a player to watch. Against Central Michigan, Malik Carr only had one catch for a touchdown. And I believe he had two or three drops. He's 6'5", 260 pounds. He gained some weight and is better as a blocker. And that was really his and the staff's goal in the preseason was to improve the tight end room in their blocking skills. Well, that worked, but he looks slower, more stiff, and not as fluid as he did last year. It looks like he regressed as a receiver and as a pass catcher in exchange for beefing up and becoming a superior blocker. Maybe I'm wrong, he could have just had an off game, but there were a few plays where they were, you know, dare I say it, decent or good play calls and designs by Jay Johnson to get Malik Carr the ball, and he couldn't haul it in. So, disappointing performance for him last week. I think he's a great player, one of the best tight ends in the nation, in the Big Ten, and he has the potential to fulfill that still this season. So I'm curious to see how he responds to some issues that he had against the Chippewas. Also for Michigan State, Jacoby Winman is another player to look out for. I'm always going to mention his name just because the explosive potential that he has. He had a sack against Central Michigan and a few tackles. Other players to look out for include Simeon Barrow on defense, facing an offensive line that should be even weaker than Central Michigan's, and also a quarterback who loves to run up the middle with draws. Barrow could have a game where he collects more than a handful of tackles for loss, maybe a sack or so. And then offensively, Noah Kim might be able to pick apart through screens and also deep passes 
this defense if they do over-pursue and they continue to stay undisciplined like they did against Morgan State. My prediction for this game is Michigan State 48, Richmond 7. I expect the Spiders to score in the second half after Michigan State rests most of their starters and puts in their backups. However, the Spartans will have a faster start on offense. I anticipate that it will take a quarter for them to get warmed up, but not 20 or 25 or nearly 30 minutes like it did against Central Michigan. By the end of the first quarter, a touchdown, two touchdowns, anywhere from I'd say 7 to 17 or 21 points should be on the board by the end of the first quarter. I'd lean closer to 7 in the second quarters when I expect Michigan State to begin to pour it on, and then in the third and fourth quarter, they'll have to collect some more points to get to that 48-point total. But I expect the Spartans to win big, Noah Kim will have better chemistry with his wide receivers who will have a breakout game. Richmond, on the other hand, will be demoralized after that loss. They're outmatched, and their offense will not be able to exploit Michigan State's defense. And the reason that is, is because they don't have much of a passing offense. They don't. I don't trust Morgan State's secondary whatsoever. And more importantly, I don't trust Kyle Wickersham. And I mentioned Morgan State not by accident. But that's not a good secondary that the Bears had, and Central Michigan struggled, not Central Michigan, but Richmond struggled to pass on Morgan State. Kyle Wickersham went 23 of 30 for 169 yards, averaged 5.6 yards per pass attempt, and threw one interception. And it was a one-on-one ball where Morgan State's defensive back totally outplayed, basically ran the route for the spider receiver. And he caught that ball like he was a receiver and then ran it back for a few yards. So the offense of Richmond, they're better in the run attack in my mind. They're really mediocre all around. I don't think that type of offense will work well against a defense whose weakness is in the secondary, but their strength is on the defensive line and the linebacker room. Michigan State is built to stop the run. They're not built to stop the pass, which is why having a passing offense here and also continuing the good tackling and great perimeter play from the secondary, specifically corners that we saw last week, is important. Along with less penalties, the secondary, the defense as a whole, did have a lot of penalties against Central Michigan last weekend. If the Spartans have any hope to stop Washington to beat the Huskies in what would likely be a close game and a shootout of some sorts— at least by Big Ten defensive standards. Michigan State needs to be disciplined. Their trench play offensively needs to get better. The defensive trench play improvements that I've seen need to continue. Coverage, which Central Michigan didn't have much of a functioning pass offense, so we don't know how good the coverage is, and I don't think we will after this game, but keep being disciplined, make good tackles in the secondary, and the wide receivers who I expect to have a breakout game, they need to fulfill on that prediction. Monterey Foster Jr., Trey Mosley, Alante Brown, those are the three starters as of a few days ago on September 1st. Those are the starters. Brown obviously suffered from some injuries, which is unfortunate, and he was in plain civilian clothing on the sidelines in the second half for Michigan State. But Jaron Glover... Tyrell Henry, Christian Fitzpatrick, Antonio Gates, Monterey Foster. These are players that we're not as familiar with 
whether we're college football, Big Ten, or Michigan State Spartan fans. Alante Brown and Mosley are the most experienced wide receivers. Mosley had a few drops, but I expect him to improve. Between Foster, Fitzpatrick, Henry, Glover, and Geese Jr., Michigan State's wide receiver depth is more impressive than I thought. They lost Keon Coleman, and Keon Coleman looks like an elite wide receiver and one of the best at Florida State. And Michigan State, they had Jaron Glover, who had 75 receiving yards, Christian Fitzpatrick, who had 70, Mosley had 39 on three receptions, and Michigan State's receivers averaged 15.5 yards per reception, and they had two receiving touchdowns including an awesome touchdown catch by Tyrell Henry with one hand. So credit to Courtney Hawkins, amazing wide receivers coach. I think Michigan State will win big. And entering the Washington game, I expect Washington to win this big against Tulsa this week. So it'll be an undefeated matchup and the first test for both the Spartans and the Huskies. Before we end this video, I want to thank my Patreon supporters, Spencer Bringhurst, and also Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-American and All-Conference patrons. Please remember to subscribe, hit the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this game down below. We just crossed 11,000 subscribers, I think two days ago, and our goal is to reach 20,000 by the end of the college football season, which would be in the first or second week of January of 2024. I can't believe we're almost to the year 2024, but that's beside the point. Subscribe, like this video so we can get it into the algorithm, comment your thoughts down below on this matchup and what your prediction is, and also hit the notification bell. Have a great day, guys, and as a Michigan fan, I can't believe I'm saying this, but go green, go white.